right. Well, I'm excited about this series that we're in. Uh, the series is called A Biblical World View. All right, so this is part two. If, uh, if you missed last Sunday, I'm going to catch you up about halfway through it. Um, but a biblical worldview. So everybody either has a biblical worldview or they have a personal worldview. And so if I were talking to you and we just met each other and you had some questions about whether or not there's a God, um, my first question to you would be, do you have a biblical worldview or do you have a personal worldview? I want you to ask me that question now on three. One, two, three. Very good. All right, everybody now. One, two, three. Do you? Do you have a biblical worldview or a personal worldview? A biblical worldview says that if the Bible says it's right, then it's right. If the Bible says it's wrong, then it's wrong. That's a biblical worldview. A personal worldview, the person has a personal view. They themselves decides what is right and what is wrong. And so it's very easy to, to decipher whether or not a person has a biblical worldview or have they, they have a personal worldview. If they have a biblical worldview, their sentence will start off like this. Well, the Bible says... Da, 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 da. If they have a personal worldview, it'll sound like this. Well, I just believe... Da, 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 da. Easy enough, right? I want to unpack that thought about the advantages of having a biblical worldview because a lot of times there are people that attend church they come to church every single sunday they're not experiencing god's best in their life because they are living a personal worldview even though they attend church and you won't experience god's best until you embrace god's truth are you with me all right, so let's dive into this. I want to start off by telling a story about a guy named Samson. I'm not going to read through it. The scripture is in your app. But Samson uh, was, uh, when, when he was a baby, an angel showed up and told his mom, your son is going to have divine strength. But he has to keep this vow in order to keep the strength. It was a Nazarite vow. There was about three or four things that he had to do uh, or not do in order to complete this Nazarite vow. Uh, one of them was, is he could not cut his hair. All right? So as long as he didn't cut his hair, uh, and among other things, part of the vow was he wasn't allowed to drink wine. That was a Nazarite vow. Now, Jesus could drink wine, so it, it's, you have to pray to God and say, God, is this, are you good with this? Um, but for Moses, it was, it was not allowed. It was like, that, that is not part of your lifestyle. And as long as he had this lifestyle, the strength would continue to flow through his life. Now, this strength was physical strength. Uh, he could walk up to a city and rip the gates of the city right out of the ground and carry it off. And that's exactly what he did one time. Uh, another time he slew hundreds of people with just 
a jawbone of a donkey. Bang, 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 bang. Just crushed them all, killed them all. Um, another time, he grabbed a whole bunch of foxes and tied their tails together and put a torch in the middle of it, sent them into this field, and then burnt down the entire uh, livestock. The guy had incredible strength, but he had to keep that, that vow, that commitment. He had to stay faithful to that commitment. Enter stage right, a girl named Delilah. Now, Delilah was offered 1,100 pieces of silver from each of these men. I don't know how many men were in the room, but each of these men would give her 1,100 pieces of silver if she were to find out what gave Samson his strength, which that is a lot of money. Judas betrayed Jesus over 30 pieces. So she's going to get 1,100, 1,100, 1,100, 1,100. She is going to be, her children are going to be wealthy. It's amazing what people will do. It's amazing what people will trade for money. But that's another sermon for another day. Um, so after lying to Delilah over and over again, the Bible says that after, I'm going to read it to you because it's so funny. Um, she tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Does anyone have a mother-in-law? No, never mind. <laughs> day after day until he just couldn't take it anymore. So finally he says, all right, look, if I cut my hair, I'll lose my strength. Uh, in other words, if, if I break my vow my source of strength is cut off. See, your vow, your commitment to being faithful to God is your source of strength. If you detach from your faithfulness, then you are detaching from your source of strength. I'd like for my wife, Allie, to come up here real quick. Um, uh, she wasn't in the first service, so I couldn't do this illustration. She doesn't even know what the illustration is. This is my wife, Allie. Um, love her. All right, so um, let's just say uh, that I am going to go be unfaithful, okay? And she's well aware of it. And I'm unfaithful for the whole weekend, and then Monday evening... I show up and I say, hey, what's for dinner? <laughs> Isn't that a crazy thought? Isn't that a crazy thought? Uh, the <laughs> yes. Um, th this is your relationship with the Lord. Now, I'm gonna got, I got three points for you, okay? The first point is this, is that a, a person with a biblical worldview steers away from flagrant sins. Everybody say flagrant sins on three. One, two, three. Flagrant oh, good. Very good. One more time. Flagrant one, two, three. Oh, sorry. One, two, three. Flagrant sins. All right. Flagrant sins. Who here has ever played basketball? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever played basketball. All right, Sheldon Borden, come on up here real quick. Uh, help me out. Um, Sheldon and his wife, Christine, are over our youth department, and they're just doing an awesome job. 
Sheldon, I want you to pretend like there's a, a hoop, a basketball goal right there, and I just want you to just like pretend like you're doing a, a doing a layup into that into that basketball goal. Perfect, perfect, it's perfect. Thank you, everybody. Give him a round of applause. Um, all right, do that again. Um, stand right here and and just do it real slow. Just just do that. Yeah, perfect, perfect. All right, so if he's doing a layup and I'm playing defense. I want to try to block that shot, okay? So as he's going up, I want to do that. Boom, okay? So if we're playing and he's going up, if all of a sudden he goes up and I go like this, I miss the ball, I actually, sorry. <laughs> that's what he's saying. You can't hear him, but he's saying that's a foul. That's a foul, right? That's a foul. I go up and I hit it. I hit his arm. It's a foul. Referee, game stops. Everybody stop. Frankie, you just committed a foul. Now, if he goes up and I go to hit the ball and I hit his arm, I foul him. I meant to hit the ball. I tried to hit the ball, but I didn't hit the ball. I hit his arm. The first thing I think is, shoot, dang it. That's all right, though. There's still a lot of game left, assuming. All right, so that's a foul. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't want to do it. I just did it. Didn't try to do it, didn't want to do it. Now, I want you to back up to that piano, and I want you to do the same layup right here. Now, I'm playing defense, but this time, I'm not going to foul them. I'm going to give them a flagrant foul. Now, a flagrant foul... <laughs> yeah. yeah. A flagrant, a flagrant foul is, I'm going to act like I'm going for the ball, but I'm not going for the ball. I am purposely premeditating, I'm hitting him. And, and the reason why I'm going to hit him is I'm going to let, I want him to think about me for the rest of the game. I want him to play scared for the rest of the game. Every time he catches the ball, I want him to think, where's Frankie? I want him to, I am premeditating, so this is what it's going to look like, all right? So he's coming, watch, watch. I, hold on, slow down. I am staggering my steps and timing it perfect, and if I'm running too fast, I'll start even going like this to slow down. But if he's ahead of me, I'm going to speed up. Because I am already made up my mind. This is a, everybody say premeditated. premeditated. I've already premeditated in my mind what I'm about to do. So here he goes. He goes up. I look like I'm going for the ball, but I'm not. And I come down. Oh, like this. And then his team gets up in my team's face and we're like, all that kind of stuff happens. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sheldon. Do you see the difference between a foul and a flagrant foul? A flagrant sin is, I'm doing it. And God's going to forgive me. Not only is that a flagrant sin, but it's a personal worldview. It's not a biblical worldview. Watch what the biblical worldview is. This is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. Anyone who continues 
to live in him will not sin. You're not going to, it's not going to be a flagrant lifestyle for you. Watch this. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Just a few verses later, 1 John 3, 10. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So you may attend church, but you don't live righteously. It's a flagrant lifestyle. It's flagrant. Everybody say flagrant. So when you say, well, I just believe I'm going to be in heaven. I just believe God's going to forgive me. I just believe that's a personal world view. It's not a biblical world view. Now, some of you aren't going to come back to church because of this. <laughs> and I know that is because in the book of Timothy, it says in the last days, many will look for teachers who will tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. Like, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. And, and if you don't like it, I have good news for you. There's 71 other churches in the woodlands. You can go pick one of those. Have you ever heard about the, uh, the old man petting a cat? No. He was petting the cat from his tail to his head. And he was petting it backwards. And this, his, his granddaughters came up and said, Papa, you're petting the cat backwards. You're supposed to pet it the other way. He goes, well, then the cat better turn around. <laughs> the Papa's not going to change anything. See, God, God's not going to change His Word and what He likes because you don't like it. Are you with me? All right. So, um, point number two. So, we steer away from flagrant sins. We steer into... His presence. Now, I talked about this last week. I'm going to talk about it a little bit again today. In John 15, verse 5, it says, If I am the vine, this is Jesus talking, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, and I remain in you, then you'll produce a lot of fruit. So a lot of us are like, I want to produce fruit. I want to do things that are supernatural so that you get glory. But we have to say, we have to figure out how to remain in Him. Now, if you were here last Sunday, just enjoy the ride. Um, I'm going to give the same exact illustration. Um, let's say you're in church. And we are singing, what song are we singing? I forgot. What? Thank you. This is how I fight my battles. So we're singing, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I sing it anyway. And so, <laughs> church is over. We walk out the doors. One minute ago, we were in his presence. Now we walk out, and all of a sudden, we're still kind of feeling good around 2 o'clock. This is how I fight. 
my battles. That's how I fight my battles. Around 4 o'clock, we got our pajamas on, because that's what you do on Sundays. You got your pajamas on. And you're still kind of humming. Not quite as strong as you were this morning. This is how I fight. Now it's more like, this is how I fight my battles. And you're staying in the zone, because this is all we got, right? Staying in the middle. And so by Monday morning, though, it feels like Sunday happened five years ago. Are you with me? Say yes. So this is how I fight. When you remain in him, you stay in that vein even though you're no longer in church. So you stay in his presence even though you're no longer in the building. And so when you leave here and you go to the restaurant, you walk into Bennigan's or Chili's or, or Olive Garden, and you're, this is how I fight my battle. You put your pajamas on, this is how I fight my battle. You go to sleep tonight, this is how I fight my battle. You wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, this is how I fight my battle. This is you wake up in the morning, you get your coffee, this is how I fight my battle. Ba this is how I fight my battle. You get in the car and you're driving down the street. This is how I fight my battle. Somebody cuts you off. This is how I fight my battle. You get to work. This is how I fight my battles. You go to get the water with the Ozark. This is how I fight my This is how I fight my battles. And you go all the way around to next Sunday. You come walking in here. This is how I fight my battle. You never left. Are you with me? The only thing that Satan is trying to do is to get you to stop remaining. So he sends people to irritate you. True story. I was driving to the airport on Wednesday. My wife and I had to fly to New Jersey, do a wedding, and then come back. And I'm flying, I'm driving, and this guy gets in front of me, waves at me with his finger. <laughs> and I don't know how he did it. But he smoked something and filled up his whole car with smoke. I was like, how in the world did you do that? He was like, the whole thing filled up. Then all the smoke went away. And went, am I telling the truth? And I'm looking at Alan. I'm like, how is he? This is unbelievable. How is he doing that? Well, I was angry. I was so mad. I was so mad. And, and Allie goes, her exact words, this is just the enemy trying to knock you out of your zone, Frankie. Don't bite. And you know what my thought was? Oh, no. I'll, I will, I'll, I'll pass the test another day. <laughs> this right here, he is not going to be in front of me. But boom. Hit. And, of course, she, she increased her volume. And so I let the guy go because the way he was filling up his car, I didn't know what was going on in there. I didn't want to mess with that. The whole plan of the enemy is to knock you and I out of our remaining in him. Are you with me? Okay, so, uh, re so we steer out of flagrant sins. We steer into his presence and then number three is we steer into faith right. now faith 
according to Hebrews chapter 1, um, it says this, faith is being sure of what you're hoping for and certain of what you can't see. I am certain of what I cannot see. Right? So that sounds like an oxymoron. You're sure of what you're hoping for. Okay? That's faith. The only way that faith grows is to stretch it. That was worth the whole morning right there. You have to stretch it. You have to take the amount of faith that you have and stretch it. Peter is in the boat. There's a storm. He sees Jesus walking on water. His faith level, he knows that Jesus is the Son of God. He knows that, but he wants, he wants to have more faith. Can I come too? Can I walk on water too? Okay. He's stretching He's stretching his, his faith. That's how your faith grows is you stretch it. I don't know. Here we go. I hope he comes through. God. <laughs> hope you come through. And we have to do that. We have to stretch it. You, you have to pray for people to see if they'll get healed. You, you got to. You got to. Since November, hundreds of people have been prayed for and have gotten healed at Celebration. Hundreds, literally hundreds. Put your hands together for that. Hundreds. Almost every single Sunday, I pray for people down here at the altars. So far... We've yet to have a Sunday where everybody got healed. But so far, we've yet to have a Sunday where nobody got healed. Now, if we weren't praying for anybody, nobody would be getting healed at all. Stretching it. Stretching it. Are you with me? There are some people, they come walk. It's the first time at Celebration Church. They're sitting in the seat. They feel the presence of God. They get healed. They email the church because if you get healed at celebration, you don't tell us about it. Shame on you. And they get, they get healed. There's the first time in the church and then you got this other person over here that's been getting prayed for for four months. They still haven't been healed. And then all of a sudden they show up on the fifth month and they get healed. I don't know. I don't, I'm not God. I don't decide who gets healed and who doesn't get healed. But this is what I do know. That every time I pray for somebody and somebody gets healed, my faith gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, I'm to the point now where I'm headhunting people. I'm looking for people to pray for. I'm looking for people. I went for a run the other day in the park, and I saw this guy. He was camping in the park, which I don't know why people do that. But anyway, he's camping. He's got a tent and everything. And I'm like, why? Why? There's a hotel right there. There's a motel over there. There's a, your house is probably one minute away. I don't know what, but okay, anyway. But his, his toe was kicked. I mean, his, the, the, he, was, he was walking like this. And in my mind, I was like, I got one more mile and my run is done. I'm going to circle back around. I'm going to go pray for that guy because we're going to see a miracle. I came back around and it didn't work out. You start headhunting people to pray for. How many people have ever heard of Todd White? Raise your hand. 
Raise your hand. He's a white guy, long dreadlocks. He heals people through his ministry, through the name of Jesus. He's probably the biggest guy in the country, or one of them. I'm going to show a YouTube video next Sunday, if I can find it, all right? So if I don't have it, I couldn't find it. 700, he's got probably 700, 800 videos on there, so I hope I can find it. But he started going to Walmarts and Kmarts and supermarkets and saying, I'm going to be praying for people until I get a breakthrough in this area, until I start seeing more people. Because if you only pray for people at church, you're only going to pray for like four people a month. That's not enough. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. And how, this is how I want to close the message. How would you live your life if you really had a biblical worldview? How would you live your life? A biblical worldview believes it all. A personal worldview believes some of it. Or none of it. Because there's a scripture in here in John 14, 12. It says, those who believe will do the same works that I have done. Even greater works. Because I'm going to the Father. How would you live your life if you really believed that? I'll tell you how you would live your life. You would look for people to pray for I'd like for Emily to come on up here. I love, I love closing the service out with a, with a testimony. Typically what we do is we, we let somebody share a testimony of, uh, that got healed the Sunday before. Um, but this uh, kind of coincides with, uh, with what I'm sharing right now. Emily, tell everybody uh, your story. Okay. A few Wednesdays ago, this was a couple months ago, I came up on a Wednesday service and stood at the end and I'd had back pain, fractured my back in high school, and Frankie, in the name of Jesus, prayed over me. And I was one of the skeptical ones when my back began to move, and it blew me away. And I facilitate a Friday morning group, so Bible study group, and I had shared that with them. And fast forward six weeks later, a member of my group who's here today, sitting in the back, her name's Liz, (laughs) she um, didn't come to group. She wasn't able to come that day, but halfway through, she shoots me a text and says, I'm on my way. I need prayers of healing. And I was like, okay. And so she shows up, and she had gone to the doctor earlier in the week and had some sample taken out of her back, and it came back that it was cancerous. And she said that she just knew at that time that she was supposed to come. I was the mailman that day that she was supposed to come to my house, and then I was supposed to pray for her. So we got done with group, and we, um, we prayed for her back, had to pray like three or four times, then um, ended up praying for another individual and also prayed for GI issues, which she also had. And since then, she's gone back to the doctor and um, she has had no sign of cancer. And she's eating carbs. You want to stand up? (laughs) She's also eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and goldfish for the first time in several years. So praise God. Thank you so much. There we go. There we go. Uh, I haven't met you yet. It's good to good to see. You. I've heard your story. Um, that is exactly what this whole message is about. Um, I don't have any more power than you do, 
Emily doesn't have any more. None of us have any power at all. None of us have any power at all. But the name Jesus is incredibly powerful. When a policeman pulls me over, I don't respect him. I don't even know the guy's name. But he has a badge. So I do whatever he tells me to do. Are you with me? It's not him. It's not him. I don't say yes, sir, to him and, 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 and kiss up to him so that he'll let me out of the ticket. He can't even write me a ticket. He can write one on behalf of the state of Texas. It's who he represents. He's speaking on behalf of the law. He's speaking on behalf of the state of Texas. He has no power. It's the name of Jesus. If you had a biblical worldview from cover to cover and you really believed every word in it, like this one, in James 5.15, it says the prayer of faith, just believing, will heal the sick and the Lord will make them whole. So if you really had a, a, a biblical worldview, how would you live your life? And what I want to tell you is the world is waiting for you and I to walk out of these doors and to shine. Having a huddle on a Sunday is supposed to be a celebration. This isn't the meeting. The meeting is out there. We celebrate what happened out there in here. Are you with me? All right. I believe that the Lord is present to heal this morning. And miracles are going to happen in the next few minutes. And what's great is if you need a healing in your body, I'm going to invite you to come down. Many of you are going to get healed while you're walking down here. It happens all the time. And if you're watching online, we get emails all the time of people that are just watching. One of the hardest things to do during the week is picking out one testimony of all the people that got healed. It's hard because they're all good. So some of you are going to get healed as you're walking down here. Some of you will get here while you're standing here waiting to be healed. Would you stand up on your feet?